You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn East. In Acts 20.35, Jesus said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. For this four-week vision series at Sojourn East, we will be exploring what Jesus' way of giving looks like. We're calling this series, Serve Somebody. Each week, we will look at a different aspect of the life of Christian service, both inside and outside the church. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn East, and it's a joy to be able to open up God's Word with you this morning. Um, I have two sons, Brian and Jonathan. They're ages eight and six, and and they're at the age where they're constantly hearing different uh, turn of phrases and, and different sayings, and they're trying to figure out what they mean. And so, you know, they'll be listening to an audiobook, and it'll say, you know, talk about filling someone else's shoes. And now all of a sudden, they're filled with questions. Filling their shoes with what? What, why would you want to fill someone else's shoes? Uh, what does this mean? And, and, and they're, they're full of questions like probably a lot of eight and six-year-olds. And what I've found is it's funny as they, they keep asking questions, I find myself looking up a lot of these sayings and phrases that we get of where did this come from? I actually don't know what this means. And, and um, really getting fascinated by the human language and the power of things like metaphors and similes to, to really bring out imagery when we're trying to communicate things. And, and the power that there is in, in different words to evoke different images and, and things. So if, if you're going to tell me about someone and you tell me this, this person, he's a rock, right? You, you haven't said a whole lot, but I, I know some things about this person, that there's going to be a, a stability to him. He'll, he'll be grounded in conviction, not very movable, maybe not real highs and lows, a lot of emotional swings, like they're, they're a rock, if I come home after a long day and, and ask my wife, hey, how was your day with all three kids at home? And she says it was a circus, right? I have a pretty good idea of what that means without hearing much else. And then I can say, so I guess I'm bringing takeout home tonight. 
right? Jesus, he, he uses, when in his own teaching, if you read through the Gospels, he uses a ton of imagery in the way that he taught and communicated to his people, right? He told us that we are the salt of the earth, that we're the light of the world. He said, he said that he is the good shepherd and that we are his sheep, and there's so many implications and meanings that can be drawn out of teaching and language like that. And one of the Apostle Paul's favorite metaphors in the New Testament for the church that we just read is that of a body. That the church is the body of Christ and Jesus is the head of this body. And we've been working through a sermon series that, we've called, that we're calling Serve Somebody, where we're spending four weeks together highlighting the fact that our lives as Christians are called to be lives of service, of giving away and pouring out, not simply receiving and taking and consuming. And Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, even the Son of Man, talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That to follow Jesus is to follow him into a life of service. And Pastor Jonathan preached last week a a great sermon that gave a, a beautiful vision for this kind of Christian life, that as followers of Jesus, we're called to proclaim the kingdom of God, to, to share the good news of the gospel with others, that there's grace and forgiveness of our sins through the finished work of Jesus, and we're meant to be engaged in the restoration of those that are in need, to be part of healing the brokenness in this world. And it's, a, it's a dual calling that we shouldn't be hoarders of what we have and what we've been given, but that we should freely give just as we have freely received. And it's important to recognize that this is an invitation to every single individual believer, individual followers of Jesus, but it's also a call to us together as a church. And Jesus says, I, I have a mission that I want to see accomplished on this earth for the gospel message to go forth, for the good news to be proclaimed, the kingdom of God to expand into areas that it hasn't already been. And this mission is going to be accomplished primarily through the church, through my people, this community of believers that he has called together, that our mission is a community project. And this community of the church is a body with many parts, as we just read. And these many parts form one body. And one of the ways that we can fully step into this mission and this this calling to to live lives of, of service is by understanding and embracing this picture of who we are as the body of Christ. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? And and specifically, what does it mean for this local expression of the church here at Sojourn East in Louisville, Kentucky, to be a body? What are its implications? And so in our time together, what I want to do is, is look at three implications that we see from this text, three things that we can pull out of it about what it means to be the body of Christ. The first is that we all have a part to play, Our parts aren't the same parts to play. And then third, our parts are interconnected. So first, we all have a part to play. I think it's interesting that Paul, he... You know, he chooses his metaphor very carefully. He, he doesn't use a metaphor of, say, uh, that, that you are a sports team, right? That you are the Jesus Christ all-star team, and Jesus is our coach, and, and the way that we're going to play this game is that we're going to get our best players out on the field to really do the work, and then everyone else can kind of sit on the bench or sit in the sidelines and cheer them on. No, he doesn't do that. 
That's not what he uses. He says, you're a body. You're a body working together. And in a physical body, every part matters. There aren't parts of your body that you can just do without, without noticing. Every part makes a contribution. And in fact, in, in another uh, book in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says that God has, has given the church different leaders, different leaders in order to equip the whole body, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So it's, it's not the design that it's just a few select leaders that are supposed to go and do all the work. No, instead, the work of, of the leaders is to build up the entire body for maturity, to make sure that we are all participating in the mission that God has called us to. You know, there's this idea that's called the 80-20 rule, that 80% of, of results come from 20% of the effort. Or, or maybe in business, it's that 80% of, of your business comes from 20% of the customers. Or different organizations, that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people, or 20% of the volunteers. And, and sometimes that can be the case, or feel like it's the case within the church, but there isn't meant to be an 80-20 rule in the body of Christ. No, it's a 100-100 rule, that 100% of the work comes through 100% of the people, that we all have a part to play. And just because that your part is different than other people's parts, it doesn't negate the necessity of it. I think it can be easy at times to feel like, well, because I'm not in this particular role or this particular position or I don't have this particular gift and I don't have a, a part to play in this. And Paul says, no, that's not the case at all. Look at verse 15. It says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. I love the logical way that Paul addresses this. You know, if the foot says, well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not really part of the body, Paul's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't mean you're not part of the body. It just means you're a foot and not a hand, right? You're, you're a part of this. You're just a, a different part than maybe you wish you were or you, you wanted to be, but you're still a part. The ear shouldn't be upset that it's not an eye. It should embrace what it means to be an ear and play its part well. What we see here, there are so many parts required for a healthy functioning body. I think a real practical example within our church is all the people that go into making every Sunday morning services happen here, right? It's easy to see those that are on the stage or, or whoever's doing the preaching, but there's, there's a whole team of people. There's a team of, of worship folks. Uh, there's a whole production team in the back of the house, Right, there's a whole kids servant team of, of 20 or so people every single Sunday. There's a connect team. There's a security team. All said and done, it takes over 50 people every single Sunday to put on the services that we get to enjoy and experience every single week. And you might see some of the people on the stage, but you probably don't see or, or recognize the, the people who made the coffee this morning or recognize the, the person running sound or slides, or the fact that there's somebody in a, in a tiny uh, closet in the back of the auditorium running the different video stuff every week so that we can have a live stream for a couple hundred people to watch the service online each week. And just think about it. What happens if, you know, some Sunday the guy that's running sound is thinking to himself, you know what, they never asked me to sing up front. 
I never get to lead a worship song. And so you know what? I'm done. I'm not part of this anymore. I'm cutting off the speakers mid-service. Or, or the kids' servants, you know, if they'd all decided, you know what? Here's another week where none of us were invited to preach. So we're sending all the kids back into the service right now, right? It would, it would not go well for us, right? We all have to rely on one another. And the beautiful thing is, is they don't do that because they recognize, well, we have a part to play. We have a, a part, we're a part of this body and we have a part to play, even if it's not the one that's going to receive a lot of recognition or attention. And, and I think there's this beautiful thing that Paul even addresses is there's this interesting thing in God's economy that those parts of the body that may seem less important or that maybe don't get the most recognition are actually those that ought to be elevated and honored. Verse 22, he says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You can't do without them. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. Right? I love that. It's, he's saying it's not about how much recognition you get, and actually there's, there's great honor and, and, and um, deserving praise for those that are behind the scenes. But God has put the body together. Right? He has designed us with purpose and with intention. Right? And this, this goes beyond just serving on, on Sunday morning, although it's not less than that. Right? Our Sunday services as a church are, are a vital part of, of what we do and, and how we move our mission forward. They're a great way to serve within the body of Christ, and there are tons of opportunities every single week to serve within our church and the, the ministries to be a part of. But this is bigger than that. It's, it's an all-of-life mindset that we're invited into and called to as followers of Jesus to be able to know the answer to the question of what part do I play? You know, what, what part of the body am I? You know, part of, of maturity and part of growing as Christians is understanding, you know, the way that God has wired you. You know, to be able to know, hey, what, what are you good at and what are you not so good at? What, what has God given you that you can use for his kingdom? And when we talk about gifts, it's not necessarily, hey, what's, what's the one thing that, that you can do that nobody else in the whole world can do? No, it's what, what are you uniquely gifted to do? What, what, are, what has God given to you and how has he uniquely wired you to serve? To have this mentality of, this is what I've been given, how can I help? Right, it takes humility, it takes experience. Sometimes we learn these things by, by practicing and seeing, okay, I did this, I wasn't very good at it, and I did this, and this seemed to, to go really well. And it takes other people in our lives speaking in. And so I want to spend some time of, how do you know? How do you discern it? You know, some of you, you know yourself well, and you've, you've done some of this work, and, and you know exactly the part you're meant to play, and you're playing it well, and, and that is, that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. But others maybe, maybe aren't sure. You have the desire and, and you want to be a part of things, but, but you're not sure exactly where you fit in or maybe you feel like where you are right now isn't the best fit. And, and so how do you think through what part of the body am I? And so I want to give some real practical ways of discerning and thinking through your unique role in serving. The first thing is, is I would encourage you to find what's at the intersection of your gifts, your desires, and the needs around you. What's at the intersection of your gifts, your desires, and the needs around you? 
to be able to ask yourself the question, what am I good at? What has God given to you? And then how does that pair with what you enjoy? What, what do you like to do? What do you find yourself drawn to? And then finally, how can you use those things to serve? How can you use those things to meet the needs, maybe inside the body of Christ or outside in your community to advance the mission that he's called us to? So, so I'll play this out in just a couple of examples. There's, there's people in our church who, who, you know, they've recognized, man, I'm good at building relationships, right? I can meet somebody that I don't know that's maybe different than me in a different stage of life or different circumstances, and, and I'm good at building a relationship with them. And, and, and they've also been gifted with a, a spirit of compassion that they find themselves drawing near to those that are, are marginalized or, or on the outside or maybe the poor, the needy, the, the hurting. And so they've been able to step into the mercy ministry that we have here as a church to go and help care for the needs uh, in our community, of people that are hurting and in need. Another example, there, there's business owners in our church who, who are good at business, right? They're good at, at cultivating a, a company and, and making money and, and, and having successful products. And they also have, have a desire, they, they enjoy it. Right? They like coming up with new ideas and finding new ways to, to, uh, to do new projects or create new businesses. And so what they've been able to do is then meet the needs in our community of providing jobs for people inside this church or outside the church. You know, being able to operate with integrity and character in the marketplace. To really be part of, of bringing God's kingdom into this world. They're gifted teachers People who, who know how to teach well and who are drawn to children, are drawn to kids. They, they love kids and, and they've found great ways to step in and teach the next generation the gospel, to raise them up and, and love on them. So, so what are you good at? You know, what are you good at and what do you like to do? What do you find yourself moving towards and how can you use that to advance the kingdom? How can you step in in strategic, meaningful ways to meet the needs around you? I think along with that is an invitation to ask other people who know you well. If you're, if you're not really sure, this is, a, this is a great opportunity. This is where good community is so essential. That you and I, we need truth tellers in our lives. For, for so many reasons, but, but here in helping us understand ourselves. You know, people who know us, who have watched us, who have lived life with us, that also have permission to tell us what they see, even if it's maybe not what we want to hear. And so if you're not sure really what your gifting or your wiring is, ask somebody who knows you well. Ask a friend, ask a spouse, ask somebody um, that, that has watched you and, and then listen to them. Right? If you give them the permission, they'll tell you if you are willing to listen. And the last thing I would say on this is, is I would simply ask the question, what, what drives you nuts? Right? What really bugs you? Either maybe when you're around things in the church or, or in other areas, what, what like irritates you? And one of the things I've found, it's counterintuitive, but in, in years of ministry and, and talking with people is oftentimes the things that irritate us and bother us, kind of, you know, get a, get a burr in our saddle, they're the ones, they're the things that reveal to us our gifts and our different wirings. And so maybe you've got a, a group of friends, or maybe it's your community group, and they're always talking about doing stuff, 
right? And you kind of sit there so frustrated because you know they're just going to talk and they're never going to make a plan because they couldn't plan their way out of a paper bag. And you're just, you're sitting there frustrated and you know nothing's going to happen until somebody, and it's going to be you, says, here's what we're doing, right? I'm going to organize it. We're going to do it on this day. Who's in? You're doing this. You're doing that, right? That might reveal to you that you have the gift of administration, right? That you're an organized person and, and your gift is needed in that group of people, right? You have the gift of being able to pay attention to details and, and be able to, to get things done to make a, a, a plan, to have discussion turn into actual action. Or, or maybe it bothers you when you go to a, a party or a gathering, um, maybe even like a church service, and you see people that, that are by themselves, people that are kind of um, on the margins or, or seem like they're lonely, and you won't be able to enjoy yourself in that group of people until you know somebody has gone to that person and helped them feel welcomed, help them feel like they're enjoying themselves. And so you might have the gift of hospitality, right? That you have a gift of being able to, to welcome in the outsider, to make outsiders feel like insiders, right? The things that often bother us and, and that we notice are also, are also signs of how God has gifted you. You can be a part of the solution. What's easy and obvious to you is often not easiest, easy and obvious to other people. And it may help you see what part of the body you are. And so if you are a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ. Right? It's not, it's not a if you're a part of the body, it's what part of the body are you? And God has uniquely gifted you to contribute to his kingdom and the mission of his church. And he's inviting you to come and to play your part because the rest of the body needs you. It leads into the, the second implication, which is, which is a little obvious at first, but it's that we are not all the same, right? Each body part is not exactly the same. We're different. We don't all have the same gifts or we don't all have the same function, right? The ear is not the same as the nose and an arm functions much differently than a leg, and I think it goes deeper than just function and the things that we do, the activities that we participate in, or the ways that we serve. It's the reality that in the church, we're, we're different people, right? We have a lot of differences. We have different personalities, right? Different ways that we see ourselves and how we see the world. It's one of the, the cool things about taking personality tests is to recognize the fact that not everybody is wired the way that you are wired, we have different life experiences and backgrounds that have shaped us into who we are. Just like Daniel was talking about with the, with the uh, training that's coming up, we all have different stories. And every one of our stories is different and has a huge impact on who we are. Each and every one of us is different. There's a ton of diversity within this church, and it's a beautiful thing. And Paul shows us in this passage that it's by design. Look at verse 17 again. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God has placed the parts in the body just as he wanted them to be. God knew what he was doing when... He brought together this collection of believers together in Louisville at this church. 
And, and because we are different, because we can have a lot of differences, he knows that there's also always the danger of division, right? And there is so much division in our world. There are so many things that people have found to be divided over. So many things that, that we have differences about, and it can easily creep into the church if we see the differences that we have between one another as reasons or justification for division. You know, Paul warns us against it, and he says that we have to fight against this, that there shouldn't be factions of body parts rising up against one another like they are in competition. We have to recognize, rather, that we are incomplete as a body without one another. I think the call to us is to go deeper than simply looking beyond our differences or, or tolerating our differences in one another. You know, my wife Jackie and I, we, we celebrated our 14th anniversary earlier this summer. And I can think back on, on when we were first uh, newlyweds. You know, there's nothing like being a newlywed to realize how different someone else is than you are, right? And so for these first few, year, our first few years of marriage, I think I really tried to, the, the differences that I noticed between me and my wife, I tried to, to take them and adjust them to help her see, you know, the right way to see the world, right? The right way to operate, to try to, to bring them over to my side and experience, experience life in my way. And, and I'm not saying that that was a wise or effective plan <laughs> at all. It didn't. It, it didn't go well. Um, but as our, our relationship grew and as we both matured, particularly myself, a few years in, I started to see and recognize that those differences that my wife had that were different than me were not something that I should try to change or even something that I should try to just learn to live with, right? To tolerate or be like, okay, she's different in that, and, and that's just, that's okay. No, it was actually something that I began to celebrate, right? Th these differences were, were not things to tolerate. They were something to celebrate. It's a good thing that my wife is not just like me, right? It is a good thing for me and for our family. She brings a perspective into my life and into our family that is very needed. It is better that we are different. It's what actually makes things work in a better way. And that's the movement, I think, for us in the church as a body to move from, from tolerating or just kind of living with our differences with each other than, and moving to celebrating them. That it is a good thing that everyone does not see the world exactly the way that you do. It's a good thing that not everyone is wired with the same personality or the same viewpoint as you do. It's better for everyone that everyone is not just like you or just like me in this church. God has designed the diversity in the church, and it is a beautiful thing. And the reason for it is that our mission as a church is too big for just any one person or group and their gifts to accomplish it alone. We need one another, which leads us to our third point, and that's that our parts are interconnected. Verse 21, Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, there's an ancient fable that uses some of the same imagery that Paul does called the belly and the members. And it describes a story when the, the members of the body get angry with the belly. 
They think the belly's just super lazy and doesn't do his, his share of the work. All he does is just sit there and collect the food that, that the rest of the body collects for them, for it. And so they all get together and say, you know what, we're not going to take it anymore. We're going on strike. And so the hand says, yeah, I'm not, we're not going to collect food. I'm not going to bring it to the mouth. The mouth, the teeth are going to stop chewing. The throat's going to stop swallowing. We're going to teach this belly a lesson. And a few days go by, and what happens? You know, the legs are weak to give support to the rest of the body. The throat is parched. The body begins to deteriorate. And the lesson is very simple, is the fact that, that we need each other. All the, the different parts of the body rely on one another to function well. As Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or the head to the feet, I don't need you. No, we need one another. We are interconnected as a body. And when the body is functioning properly, the way that God designed it to, what happens to one of us affects the rest of us. And there's so many implications just from that one idea, but, but one of the things it shows is the great gift and responsibility of being part of a church community. What happens in your life affects the other people around you in this church. Right? In, in a sobering way, it means that, that sin in our lives, it negatively, negatively affects the whole body. Right? That there's no such thing as, as this idea of my own personal sin that's just not hurting anyone at all. That it's just, it's just me and, and my stuff. No, it affects the body. It affects the rest of us. It means when you suffer, when you go through difficult hardships, it means that you don't suffer alone. Instead, the body suffers with you. You think about it, if you, you fall and you break your leg, the rest of the body kind of that, that's healthy has to compensate to kind of help that leg heal. And so the other leg is going to take on more weight. Maybe the arm is, is holding a crutch. There's, the whole body is affected by this injury. And in the same way, if, if, if you are suffering, you're not meant to carry that alone. The rest of the body is meant to come alongside you to help in healing and going through carrying the burden of suffering with you. On the positive side, when things go well, we get to celebrate with you. We get to rejoice in one another's wins and victories. We weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. Right? As a, as a body of believers, we are interconnected. Our lives are intertwined, and this is how God has designed it to work. And so we have this beautiful image of the body of Christ. Everyone knowing their part in the body, exercising their, their different roles, interconnected with each other. And, and what brings all these parts of the body and unites them together is the Spirit of God. As the passage says, we all drink of the same Spirit. It's not our, our socioeconomic status. It's not our, our backgrounds. It's not our political views that bring us together. It's not our age. It's not our interests and hobbies or any variety of things that, that it could be. Our unity comes from the gospel. Recognizing each and every one of us, our deep need for a savior, our inability to save ourselves, to make our lives right on our own effort, of embracing through faith, the grace and forgiveness that comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the gospel is the only thing that's actually powerful enough to bring us together with all of our differences and all of our different viewpoints and wirings together as one body with Jesus Christ as our head.
And Jesus, he's given us a glorious mission for us as the body of Christ to move forward and to carry out, to take the good news to the broken and the hurting in our world. And if there's anything that our world is screaming right now is that it's broken, right? Things are not right. There is so much pain and division and hopelessness in our world right now. People desperately need Jesus. And it's we have the the opportunity and the call as the church to be able to hold forth the good news of Jesus Christ, that we know him. He is our, our living hope in the face of hopelessness. He promises forgiveness of sins. He, he holds out healing for the brokenness in our world, the restoring of, of fractured relationships and broken marriages. And he promises to be making all things new and has chosen us as the church to be the ones to go out and proclaim this good news. And as the body, he's uniquely placed us in different spheres around the city and uniquely wired us with different personalities and different gifts as different members of one body to work together to move this mission forward. If you think about it, a healthy body is not meant to sit still. It's meant for movement, to go on the mission that Jesus has called us to. And so as we close this morning, I want to invite you to embrace your role as part of this body. If you are a Christian, if you call this church your home, be join in, be a part of our mission. Bring what God has uniquely given you and bring and use it in the service of others inside the church and outside the church. There are are organized specific ways that you can get involved, specific ministries in our church that you can serve inside or or outside the church. A lot of those happen on, on Sunday mornings, as I mentioned. There's a lot of things that happen throughout the week and in our community. We'd love to help you get connected if you aren't already. You can fill out a connect card. You can go uh, visit the, the info table after the service. We would love to get you plugged in to the different ministries in our church. But again, bigger than that, it's an all-of-life mentality. To ask ourselves the question, how can I take what God has given me in my life and use it for the sake of others? And my hope and my prayer is that you'll embrace that call to be a part of the flourishing of the body of Christ. The next chapter in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, is the, is the famous love chapter. You know, saying that love is the, the greatest virtue that, that, that we can uh, pursue. And as we come to the Lord's table and participate in communion, we remember that it's the love of Christ that brings us together. The love of Christ that enables us to love one another and love those that are out in our world. It's that love that we remember and celebrate at communion. That Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, He took a loaf of bread and broke it and said, this is my body that's broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we participate in communion, we remember the love that Christ demonstrated for us. Having his body broken and his blood shed so that we could be forgiven, so that we can also love him and love those that are around us. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to close us, encourage you to take communion, to remember and celebrate the Lord's love for us as we continue to sing and close our service. Let's pray. I'm Kevin Jamison, lead pastor at Sojourn East. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support the ministry of Sojourn East, visit sojournchurch.com east.